Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. How are you? Hello. Hey, I'm good. Super good. Good. Glad to hear it. We're excited to be here with you today for another installment of the Daybell Vallow case. I just feel like it just never ends, does it? It No, it doesn't. And I mean, you know, we know it's not going to for a long time, but holy, we had yeah. some bombshells dropped on us this week. Yeah. We did have some bombshells dropped on us this week and, and more to come. Mm-hmm. More to come. We, yeah. uh, real quick before we get started, let's just do a check-in. So Katie, how are you in general? I am in general just fine. <laughs> I, I have like no complaint. Well, I, t- I told you yesterday, yesterday I had like the day from hell. Yeah, and I know you guys <laughs> yes, you know did. what I mean. When you just have a day where like literally everything blows up and it wasn't really my stuff blowing up. It was my kids, but my God. <laughs> anyway, it was one of those moments when you think this mom business is not for wimps. Holy hell. But anyway, all's well that ends well. Actually, everything worked out fine. And, you know, the more exciting news is I'm getting a new car. And so wow, we're like exciting. deeply in the market right now to figure out what we want. And, you know, and then, of course, the negotiations between what the husband wants and what I want and, you know, <laughs> finding a way to meet in the middle on that one. But I think we're, we're pretty close to figuring it out. So oh, that's good. really that fun. Is, that is super exciting. Yeah. My car has been not good for ugh, a year. Yeah. And we finally uh, we fixed it and sold it. And, you know, we're moving on to something better and nicer and, you know, not so problematic. So I really haven't had my own car to drive in like a year. I drive my daughter's and, okay, let's be real. I never drive. I usually make someone else drive me. True. <laughs> you make other people drive anyway, you around. I have my own car again, a very, a nice one. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm be so nice. my head's at. Yeah. I'm hoping this week to get something bought. So. Good. You know, That's so exciting. Yeah. So exciting. Well, I'm good. I'm good too. I had a, a ukulele lesson this morning, which was a lot of fun. I'm learning to play. I should say the ook. I'm playing the ukulele. Ooh, and I'm really enjoying that. That's been a lot of fun. As, as a wind musician, uh, learning a string is really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so much different, uh, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been a lot of fun. And my teacher is a huge Beatles fan. And so am I. Mm-hmm. And so she is... Um, putting together some very simple Beatles songs for me so that I can learn my skills on the ook with Beatles music, which I think is super cool. I love that. We cut our teeth on Beatles music. Our mother was a real wannabe hippie. She was a little bit too young, you know, for the Mm -hmm. whole hippie movement, but she tried. And even as when we were little, we were raised on the Beatles, on Woodstock, on Mm -hmm. Peter, Paul and Mary, um, you know, peace protest music. I still Mom's listen to stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Oh, in the Bob yeah. Dylan, Joan Baez. Yeah. So, well, this, and I this think is in our blood. It is. Well, and they figured out something very smart. They taught us to sing in the car. And I think it was because they had three little girls in the car who wouldn't shut up and stop fighting. And so <laughs> they taught us the words to pretty much every Beatles song out there. Yeah. And so we would sing them everywhere we went and we could yeah. sing. And still can. I was telling my my teacher, my music mm-hmm. teacher, about how I know the words to nearly every Beatles song there is because mm-hmm. we sang them all. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, that was really fun. Um, and That's so it's, awesome. it's been really fun to kind of get back connected with that and mm -hmm. with Beatles music and stuff. So I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I love that. That's a, yeah. even now, you know, you get those hellos from heaven, you know, and mm -hmm. a lot of people experience yeah. that in music. And many years ago, just a few months after our mom died and we were so heartbroken and it was such a hard time. And yeah. I was, I had to park a few blocks away from our, our shop and walk. And I, as I was walking, there was a, a busker, you know, that was playing the guitar and singing. And when I walked past, yeah. he said, can I sing you a song? And I, I said, yeah, of course. And so I stopped and he sang, uh, oh, good Lord. Wow. Was it let it be or imagine? Yeah. He's saying, let it be. Okay. Yeah. And it, I was, I had was walking along. I had been in tears on my way, way to work because I was just missing my mom so much struggling yeah. a lot. And I run into this kid who sings that song that was performed at her funeral. That was so meaningful to our family. Yeah. And partway through the song, he forgot the words and I just filled them in <laughs> you know, and <laughs> sang them for him. And when it was over, it was just, I just, I couldn't hold back my tears. It was the sweetest thing. Yeah. And I told him, you know, you're on an angel's errand today. You might not know it, but you are. That's just always stuck with me. It's one of those moments where, you know, we remember yeah. It happens pretty darn close, but right. Yeah. It's but so let it true. be. Oh, oh, I know. One of my very faves. One of my mm -hmm. very faves. Yeah. yeah. Well, but cool. that's not what we're here to talk about. We've it got is so not. <laughs> We've got some other things to talk about. So we are going to talk today about two things. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to stay tuned because our second thing to talk about is it's a pretty big bombshell. Mm -hmm. And we're not sure that anybody else has broken this and it's something, you know, that we've learned mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about it. I will admit in some pretty vague ways because that's what we have to do, but gonna we are going to share, egg, but we're not going to break the yolk. Yeah, there you go. We're going to break the egg, but not the yolk. I like that. Very good. So we will be talking about that um, at the end of the show. But first we want to talk about an email that Chad Daybell sent on March 7th of 2019. This was broken um, originally by Justin Lum with um, Fox, Fox News, News 10. 10 in mm -hmm. Phoenix. And we wanted to break this down for you just because this gives you such an insight into Chad's thinking that um, we're going to read it to you. And as we read it, we're going to break it down and talk about it because mm -hmm. it's, well, it's bonkers, my friends. Mm -hmm. It is. But it tells you, it really, really shows you the, the reality that he has in his head versus, you know, the reality that it actually yeah. is. So he titled this, As I See It, A Vision of Heavy Persecution and the Night of Fire. So we're just going to read it. We'll read it. We'll read a few lines. We'll talk about what that means. Then we'll go on. Yeah. Uh, so. Chad says, I have relatives who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who say they have never truly been persecuted for their beliefs. I suppose that is true since they didn't serve missions or live anywhere but Utah Valley. They have lived good lives in communities where church members are the vast majority of the citizens. Persecution isn't something you seek for, and I'm grateful that most people in LDS communities have been able to avoid it during the past century or so. But I believe that even our most isolated communities are going to feel the heat soon due to government tactics and the rising of groups that have different moral standards than the church. And he's going to say the church a lot of times, and he mm -hmm. means the LDS 
Baptist Church. Want to say anything about that, Katie? Well, that's when we were kids, that was a pretty common theme. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the stories about the early Mormon church and them, you know, uh, essentially being driven from one community to the next, or at least that was uh, what we were always taught. Now, history actually yeah. tells a different story, but we're not really here to get into all of that today. Right. You know, but but that is a very common LDS belief that Mormons have been persecuted against. Part of that is because uh, a lot of mainstream mainstream Christianity actually don't uh, believe that Mormons are Christians, and Mormons do believe yes. that they are Christians. But there's kind of been a a, a divide there for a long time between, uh, you know, who's the real Christians, you know, yeah, kind of a chest beating competition, yeah. And this idea of persecution is obviously a very common theme in the Chad and Lori story. So uh, yeah. let's see. So he talks about, he titles this H- Hector's Wonderful Insights. Along those lines, I greatly appreciated Hector Sosa's watching the horizon column this week concerning the persecution Christian churches are going to receive. Here is an excerpt from Hector's column. So Hector is, who is Hector? So Hector is a guy in Utah who has been one of, uh, he also had a website, kind of like the AVAL website that a lot of people here in Southeast Idaho were visiting or yeah. are still visiting. Um, Hector also had a website in Utah that was similar. So these websites are spots where Mormon people are going to discuss the scriptures and mm-hmm church doctrine and you know they they started out very benign you know just kind of like online bible study groups or discussion groups yeah uh what happened is that they have kind of grown from that and i can't speak you know directly to hector's site i've never seen it but i understand that it was similar to the aval site but basically they have formed offshoots of those groups or of those rooms you know uh, offshoot pages or rooms in those groups where they're talking more about all of this prepper stuff and the end of the world stuff. And so it seems like there was kind of a part of these websites that were for more mainstream Mormonism and maybe more closed door parts of these sites that were a little bit more radical. Now yeah. I was told that Hector, the day that the children were found that Hector took his site offline. Wow. I hope he keeps it offline. Yeah. Me too. Maybe he's recognized the the danger of some of this. We'll see. So here's what he says, and he is discussing having had a vision. And this is a thing um, that Chad and his followers and a lot of the folks involved in these groups have a lot of visions. And so this is the vision that Hector had. I saw false prophets and false Christs arrive in the near future. I saw them doing miracles. I saw the masses proclaiming that these people were of God. These limitations, oh, sorry, these imitators proclaimed that Christians are following a false god and that they are pretenders. Those num- those members without mm-hmm. testimonies or with wobbly testimonies believed these fake miracles because that's something they can see. All Christian sects came under attack. Then the government got involved. We were finally being officially lumped together as Christian. He's talking about the Mormons being included as Christian. Mm-hmm. But the circumstances were less than desirable. Groups in the government saw this as an opportunity to finally quell Christianity as it had been a thorn in their side for many years. Groups in the government. I don't, there's no clarity there. 
the Holy Ghost was right. I could barely believe it myself. Oh, sorry. I missed a line. Persecution was heaped upon our heads. It came from many different directions. The government acted against the Christian churches in the states. Our church was stripped of the 501c3 status, along with the other Christian churches. Our buildings were confiscated, and we were not allowed to worship in public. The Holy Ghost was right. The Holy Ghost is um, what some people call the Holy Spirit. That's the Mormon term. Mm-hmm. I could barely believe it myself. This came out of left field. We are keeping our eyes on something else, and it will come as a surprise to many. Honestly, I had forgotten myself about these things. These that ha- Those that have testimonies and have followed the counsel of our general authorities immediately saw that these miracles only helped the person performing them and nobody else. I saw men and women rise up from the floor, turn water to wine, and many other things that deceived the world. I complete, oh, and this is Chad. I completely agree with Hector. The government is going to persecute the Christians and the LDS church will be included. Okay. Unpack here. (laughs) All right. A few things to unpack. There's a phrase there about uh, those that have testimonies. Yes. What that means is to have a testimony means that you have read the Book of Mormon and you have received some kind of a sign from God or from Heavenly Father that this is true and that this church is true. And that's what somebody would call a very simplified, uh, you know, explanation of what somebody would call their testimony. So he's basically saying those that are the most valiant, uh, they'll see through all of this. But if you're not uh, Mormon enough or Mormon at all, you're going to fall for all of these false prophet things. Now, I, I find that super interesting because what does that say about Chad's followers? I know. Because that is, uh, he just described Chad. Exactly. Just described Chad, Chad. who's using this as an example. I mean, this is the blindness that's happening here. Mm-hmm. That at no point does Chad look at this and realize he's, he's talking about him. Well, or his followers. Yeah. Interesting yeah. that Hector had... Uh, he would pretty loudly defended Chad clear up until the day the children were found. And even after was like, I'm not going to make any judgment until the courts make a decision or something like that. Like he's been pretty uh, wild about it. And, you know, the fact that they can't again, see through their own hype is pretty terrifying. It's, it's what got us here. Right. I mean, it's it what is got us here. exactly what got us here. And I think that's why it's important for us to share this and talk it through mm-hmm. because this matters to, to really see what the mindset is here. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it matters because we need to recognize that there are people in our community who still believe this stuff. Yes. Well, anytime there is a decision within the government or within the courts that defies uh, basic tenets of Christianity. These are exactly the things that are being said, right? When gay marriage was legalized, somehow that was violating the rights of or persecuting certain religions. Right right now, you know, when COVID-19 flared up and basically every state, you know, shut churches down for a little while, you know, and some churches, not even Mormon churches, but some churches met anyway. And we're, you know, uh, infecting people right and left, but because they weren't going to be persecuted against. Right. And um, and there's a real sensitivity there, you know, there is, there's a real blindness because first of all, all churches were shut down that included synagogues, temples, mosques. Yeah. 
you know, it's not just Christians. This was out of safety for everyone. But yeah, that that energy of persecution, I feel like I remember it very clearly as a child being taught it. Mm-hmm. Never experienced it. Never saw it once. Truly saw the opposite, frankly. Still yeah. do. Um, well, yeah. This, is, yeah. this is really important. Um, the definition of persecution is, I think, fairly loose. You know, I mean, most of us would consider persecution being a certain group being treated differently, right? And yet, um, actually, within any religious organization, or most, unfortunately, we see them doing that very thing to various people, you know? I know that's and that's the short sightedness here that, that with everything that Chad says and everything he quotes, and 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 this was written prior to the children being killed, yeah. but you know, he was still heavily involved in the mm-hmm. things that he's been doing. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I found interesting was that, you know, the false prophets, their miracles only helped themselves. And we've mm-hmm. said over and over again, how Chad's proclamations um, definitely only help himself. You know, yeah. the mm-hmm. people he doesn't like are the dark people. The people he yeah. does like are the people of the light, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, very convenient, you know, to, yeah. um, the, there's no challenge in it for him because, you know, he's always right, apparently. Well, you know, or prophesizing that his wife's going to die. And then, oops, his wife she died. Uh, yeah. Prophesizing that Charles is going to die. And then, you know, gosh darn it, what happened? Right. Charles died, you yeah. know. Yeah, part of the self-fulfilling prophecy has been he and Lori literally taking action to make sure that what they were uh, predicting was going to happen. Right. Yeah, right. So interesting. So let's go on here. This next section is titled, My Villains Are Based on Real People. This is Chad talking. My novels are based on actual future events I have been shown, which I then fictionalize into a storyline. The characters are mostly based on my own children and other relatives. However, to write a well-rounded story, I also need to include antagonists. Readers often ask, are your bad guys also real? Now, I find this interesting because, first of all, he implies that this is fiction because he wants to write a well-rounded story. So he adds, you know, the antagonists. Mm -hmm. But then um, he says, readers often ask, are your bad guys real? Uh, He says, unfortunately, yes, just as I believe my main characters are actual people alive today, just as he believes they are, except that they are because he knows them physically, you know, children. Uh, so are my villains in my standing in holy places series, men such as Ken Turner, Larry Sharem Campbell and Elias of Syria caused plenty of problems for the saints. Okay. Mormons call themselves saints Mm -hmm. literally all the time. Just be aware. If you didn't know that they refer to themselves as saints. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Chinese spy Dragon and Russian commander uh, Klopov are the main troublemakers in the Times of Turmoil series. Could you get any more racist? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, But this this hasn't, these groups haven't been known for tolerance. Uh, No, definitely not. Uh, He says, I firmly believe all of these men are going to fulfill the roles I describe in the novels. Part of my writing gift is to not only view their actions in third person, but to actually tap into their minds as I write the books. Doing so isn't pleasant, but it helps to solidify their personalities and allows me to see their true motivations. 
I completely despise Commander Klopov because I can sense what a callous, arrogant jerk he really is. By the time I got to the part in the series when he orders an unarmed Garrett Foster to be shot in gold, cold blood, I knew Klopov was being totally controlled by Satan. There wasn't any light left in him. Uh, pot? Kettle? <laughs> yeah, I know. Is, is Seriously, it possible dude? that Chad has been taken over by Klopov? Is it possible? I don't know. I mean, the... Or was he channeling, I don't know, himself? Yeah, himself. And this this idea that, you know, if anyone does anything that he doesn't agree with, that they are have been taken over by Satan. This well, or in Hector's one. words, those without testimonies. Yes, which That's means interesting uh, non-believers, people who don't believe in Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These vill- villains come from a variety of backgrounds, and I feel they help us see the types of people we will face. For example, both Ken Turner and Larry Campbell were active members of the LDS Church before turning against it. Persecution from former members is going to be one of the church's biggest challenges, and these kinds of men are going to resort to unbelievably evil acts in their quest to destroy us. These are times I have been shown horrible future scenes that aren't tied to my novels. I feel these could be warning dreams, but I should share so that we might find ways to halt the destruction in the vision. Let me give you an example of a recent vision, and we're going to get there. He calls it the night of fire. Uh, I find this really interesting, though, that the idea that if someone leaves the Mormon church, then he believes that then they are an enemy, Uh that they are bound to destroy, you know? I don't know about you, Katie, but when I left, I just wanted to get the hell out. Right. I haven't right. done any destructive things. I left 24 years ago. Right. I have not killed anyone or blown up any buildings. Wow. Right. And in fact, I know a lot of former Mormons and also just a lot of formerly religious people, not even Mormonism, but just in general, who yeah. they just moved on. And right. they moved on peacefully. But yeah, this idea that if you, you're with us or against us, and, yeah. and let's be clear, not everyone feels that way. I mean, no. this is very radical. And there it are is. radical people who definitely feel this way, obviously, Daybell being one of them. And there are people mm-hmm. that feel that way. For the very most part, this is not how LDS people behave or feel, you know, this is no. a very small radical minority, uh, right. you know, just like a you know, Muslims that, uh, you know, blow up planes in the name of Allah, you know. Not right. It Muslims is the same kind of thing. These are ex- yeah. This is an extremist view. Yeah, totally. But yeah, that's pretty, uh, that, that's pretty callous. That's actually kind of scary. It isn't because he's behind bars now, but that should be a little scary because, mm-hmm. you know, that means anyone who's left the LDS church would be considered dark and dangerous. Right. And, 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 and literally an enemy. And we get into that even further in the, in the second half of the letter, Mm -hmm. which I, you know, just find it's this idea that if you don't believe the same that I do, that you are my enemy. Yeah. And, and it's a real commentary on the entire world right now, not just this situation, but many others. So he, he calls this, um, vision that he has had, uh, a night of fire. He says, I believe Hector's vision of our buildings being confiscated is true, but I was recently shown a vision of another way the saints are going to lose their chapels. I believe I was shown this specific event because I served my LDS mission in New Jersey 
and I still have a spiritual connection to the area. The vision opened with a scene of a middle-aged man working in a financial office in New Jersey. It was as if I could read his mind. I realized he was an ex-Mormon making plans to harm the church in a devastating way in the near future. I believe right now this plan is just a small idea tucked away in his brain, but under the right circumstances, it could blossom into the horrible outcome I was shown. I wondered if this vision could be symbolic, but the spirit assured me it is not. I felt I should write the first part of the vision as if I was writing a novel. This man's name is fictional, of course. Here it is. So, you know, he really goes back and forth between if what he's saying is fiction or not, which I, to me, is a really strong indication of his um, weak grasp on reality. Uh-huh. I really feel like his grasp on what is actually real and what isn't is not good. And I think Lori as well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and it, it, they're delusional and this, they've fallen into a delusion here. Um, but this is, this is what he wrote in, in the style of a novel. Mm-hmm. Peterson watched the TV news and saw dozens of Christian churches were going up in flames throughout the Southeast United States. Arson had become the preferred method to shut down the believers of Jesus Christ. If a congregation didn't have anywhere to meet, it greatly weakened their power as a group. Gary turned off the TV and went to his computer. He had a grand plan in mind. It would take some coordination, but it would satisfy the anger that had been building inside of him ever since his excommunication from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints three years earlier. He had been unfaithful to his wife. But the penalty the church leaders had given him had felt so cold-hearted and heavy-handed. He made great he made great money as a financial analyst, and it angered him to think of all of the tithing and other donations he had given the church throughout the years. Now, first of all, Chad was actively committing adultery at the time that he wrote this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what? With the dissonance here is deafening. I mean, what the hell? Uh, yeah, it, it just is. It's just like, holy shit, you know? Okay. So uh, his wife had soon divorced him and the bitterness he felt just wouldn't go away. In the past year, he had joined a chat room filled with ex-Mormons in the New York, New Jersey area. He had even met some of them for lunch and they seemed to have the same distaste for the church that he did. He knew his LDS church history well, and he knew in the 1830s the Missourians effectively used fire to drive the Mormons from the state. It was time for a repeat of that method, and he had the resources to do it. Now, there is way more to that Missouri story than he's shared here, and we'll let you go look it up. But feel free to see both sides of that story. He knew his, oh, let's see, the night Gary did some, that night Gary did some research using Google Maps. It was almost too easy. Within 10 minutes, he had printed out the addresses of 20 LDS buildings in New Jersey. Gary smiled to himself knowing that the night of fire would help to satisfy the anger in his soul. (laughs) Um, You know, okay, so a couple of things here. There's the implication that people who are former Mormons um get together and conspire against the mormon church is a well-known belief mm-hmm. um i will tell you that i do know of groups who meet that are former mm-hmm. mormons do they meet to conspire no they are trying to heal and recover from what they've been through and find their path spiritually and they're looking mm-hmm. for community because being a member of the mormon church provides you with a community and when you leave you are shunned 
And so they're looking for that kind of community. Have I ever talked to a former Mormon group, though, that was planning to firebomb a bunch of Mormon churches? No, I have no. not. No. Strangely, yeah. no. No. But the just the implication of all of this is really sick. It's, um, it's very insulting. It is. And, and I feel like, you know, I, most Mormon people that I know that read this would be completely disgusted as well. Yeah. And again, yeah. this is so radical. It's so ridiculous. But this is Chad. This is where his thoughts this are This is where his thinking is. Yeah. And how violent his thinking is. Yeah. Yeah. It's very extreme. He says, I will stop the narrative there, but I was shown that Gary and his ex-Mormon friends would provide supplies to a prominent New Jersey gang whose members would spread out in 20 teams across the state on a Saturday night and coordinated attacks beginning at 11 p.m. The goal would be to burn down all 20 churches simultaneously before anyone even noticed a pattern. You know, just any old random gang out there is going to burn down all these churches for you. I'm yeah. like, dude, you're a writer. Couldn't you have come up with a better story than that? No, no, he cannot. <laughs> no, he can't. Because he's not a very good writer, to be perfectly honest. Um, the church members would wake up on a Sunday morning to find their chapels destroyed. It would be a crushing blow that would cause many people to go inactive or even renounce their membership rather than endure more per persecution. Interesting ah. way of looking at people that their faith is mm -hmm. that weak. Mm -hmm. That kind of got me too. I'm like, really? I would think that would actually strengthen people. And, I, I would and, think so know, too. If this was something I, that you truly believed in. Right. Years ago, a Mormon church burned down, not yeah. you know, in a community not too far from us. Mm -hmm. It was an old, really old, beautiful church, but uh, apparently a tinderbox, and it yeah. went up in flames, and there was just no stopping it. Yeah, and and this was a very, very small community, and there was only one LDS church in the area. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened when their church burned down? Uh, Another local church. Well, they did, of course, but until it was rebuilt. Another local church split their space with them and allowed That's them right. to use their space to have church until right. it was rebuilt. And that was fine. There's another instance of a mosque being burned down and the Mormon church next door opened their doors and allowed the members of the mosque to worship in, in, their, you know, building. To use in their building until the yeah. mosque was rebuilt. Things like that they, happen all the time. They do. The view really of the Mormon church in this writing is really skewed. And yeah. I would think that, um, you know, members would find this really offensive. Very distasteful. Yeah. Um, it also just, you know, it, yes, occasionally Christian churches do get burned down. But, you know, it get burned down a lot more. Mosques, uh -huh. Jewish temples, black churches, like black churches. Yeah. Yes. Black Christian churches are really the ones that get targeted. Mm -hmm. So this implication, it's so wrong <laughs> based on what's actually happened. It's really yeah. His view of reality is so skewed. Yeah. But again, so paranoid. So, so very paranoid. paranoid that the whole world is out to get you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, then he says Gary would pay the gang leaders handsomely in cash and their actions would never be traced magically. Yeah. The night of fire would be, would put the national focus on the church and copycat fires would happen in other states. <clears throat> again, um, you know, no stake in reality at all here. No. Uh, can this night of fire be stopped? I hope so, but I was surprised and impressed at the surgical precision of these attacks. Now, remember, this is just happening in his head, but he's impressed. <laughs> <laughs> 
These guys knew their assignments. Each team had five members. They arrived at the church in a black SUV. Well, of course it's a black SUV. Would have to be, right? Well, gang members all have black SUVs, I'm right? sure they do. The driver I'm surprised stayed- they didn't all roll up on Harley Davidson's. I mean, right? Come on. Yeah. The driver stayed in the vehicle while the other four men shattered the glass doors and used accelerant and blowtorches to light several fires throughout the building. They acted so quickly that even an armed guard. How many Mormon churches do you know that have an armed guard? Well, none that I know of. Yes. But of course, this um, is in the future. Right. This persecution yeah. is happening. Right. That's true. They acted so quickly that even an armed guard would have been ineffective and certainly be shot or stabbed to eliminate any witnesses. Because now we're, you know, talking about murder again. Chad, the murderer. Murder's within to Chad. Yeah, right. Within 10 minutes, the church was engulfed in flames and the SUV sped off into the night long before the fire department arrived. Yeah, because, you know, I guess in the future there's no uh, CCTV anywhere. alarm systems. Yeah, nothing. Neighbors. I don't know. Uh, it's the neighbors aren't going to call the police they're in on it right i'm that's true i'm sure they are (laughs) uh then he says the church is not a geographic location it's a grim picture that can be hopefully avoided but it helps me see the wisdom of president russell m nelson's emphasis this is the president of the mormon church or as they call him the prophet um on gospel study in the home There might be a variety of ways our enemies will halt us from worshiping in our chapels, but the church building is not the church. Many members have trouble making that distinction. I think Chad is number one on that list. Just judging by the story, the gospel is in the hearts of the saints, not in the buildings they worship in. This is so ironic now because now COVID-19 has happened and people haven't been able to meet in their churches. And this very message has been a big thing that, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't, if you believe you don't have to go to a building. I don't know. Just interesting. I, I wonder Mm -hmm. if he sees this as validation of this prophecy. Oh yeah. If he sees 19 as a validation of this prophecy. I don't know. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Yeah. However, if church members don't already have a firm testimony of the gospel, this opposition will cause many of them to fall away. They won't be able to take the heat, so to speak. Only the truly converted disciples of Jesus Christ will make it through this period of strife. It will be a refiner's fire that will strengthen the faithful saints. Oh, the refiner's fire. Have we not heard that before? Yeah, refiner's fire. That's definitely a term that we've heard a billion times. You have to go through the hard stuff. You have to be burned down and refined. And also, yet again, with the only those with the real testimonies. Yeah. Only those. Basically, the only only people who are really going to be saved in this situation are the real hardcore Mormons. Yeah. Which is such a bizarre thought. Yeah. So I'll stop there because the other stuff he goes into isn't really related. Um, Yeah. But but yeah. It really What did you say? Well, yeah, and also his his real want and need for these events. I mean, he's yeah, he was he's actively seeking these kinds of things. You know, this mm-hmm. really takes me back to the prophecy that in early 2019 there was supposed to be, uh, or sorry, early 2020 there was supposed to be this epic earthquake that basically you know shook the uh, right foundation of the church to the ground and and temple square, you know, was seriously damaged and the church had to rebuild. That was, uh, you know, and, and of course also the, uh, 
Melanie Pulaski had said that Ian, or sorry, not Ian, that Alex and Zulima, after they got married, had stayed in Vegas for a few days to prepare earthquakes because Zulima can control the elements. Isn't right. that another, what they might consider a false prophet? Right. You know, they're just describing themselves based on their own doctrine. Yeah, to basically take out Salt Lake City. Yeah. And he was prophesizing that he was looking for that. Yeah. Salt Lake City has millions of people in it. Yeah. What, what a terrible thing, you know, yeah. to be trying to cause. But well, not you know, to mention I know that, that a good pair of them are Mormons. <laughs> like, right. None yeah. of this makes any sense. It it doesn't make any sense in, in rational reality at all. But mm-hmm. I mean, even back in March of 2019, so 18 months ago, this is what he was thinking. It 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 helps me to understand how he got to the point of, oh, let's start murdering people who get in our way with yeah. some beliefs like this. It it yeah, it's sick and wrong, but I think mm-hmm. that you can see where his thought process was going. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I would yeah. love to see more of these kinds of communications. Yes. I would imagine that there is a ton of this out there that we that. just haven't been privy to, but I would love to see more of this. Because these are really important peaks into his psyche yeah. and into how he got to where he is right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, and when you read, when I read things like this, you know, some people say, oh, you know, Lori was the instigator in this whole situation and she's the person who, you know, who got him involved in all this stuff. No, this all existed in him way before. He started killing people for Lori, you know, yeah. like, no, yeah. th- this is definitely, a, and, and, you know, I don't doubt that she has, she became a disciple of his to begin with. Yeah. And then was sort of brought up to the level of his equal. Um, but where most of this comes from him. Yeah. I think that's pretty clear. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So there you have it. There you have that. And let's uh, go to our big scoop. And Katie, you yeah. this is your scoop. So why don't you go ahead yeah. and tell, tell the good folks what we know. So on late last week, on Thursday or Friday, I had received, uh, on Friday, I had received a message from someone I know uh, that said that there was something, that a rumor that was swirling around in Chad's neighborhood and ward that they wanted to share with me if I'd be interested in hearing it. And so I connected with that person. And I guess I'll just tell you guys up front, we're not going to tell you the names of anybody today. No, anybody. We're going to be very careful, but I still think it's worth talking about because what they told me is that there are many people out there that believe that there is a seventh victim. There's a seventh person that was murdered at the hands of Chad and perhaps Lori. That's what I was told. So here's the, the basis. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, when I was told that, I did homework. I reached out to three other people that I know who live in the area. And all three of them told me, yes, this is exactly what I heard yeah. or, or similar to what I heard. So mm-hmm. what we're being told is that there was a farmer that lived near Chad, who, again, we're not sharing any more info because people associated to this case have been harassed horribly by the media, by the public, by other podcasters that uh, have gone as far as blackmailing people to get the information that they want from them. Like things have been really, really dicey. So we're going to be very careful to not 
give too much information to maybe ruin something, you know, a life for somebody or something. We're just, right, we're just going to give you the basics. Like that. No, we don't do things like that. And we we're not going to open the door for that to anyone else. But anyway, um, cause we've heard some pretty scary and unhappy things, but anyway, yeah. uh, so there was a farmer out there who, relied on those ditches. Now, remember, there's a ditch bake that runs along the side of Chad's property, you know, that was right on the other side of the fence, right? The fence where all of the memorial stuff was, Mm -hmm. which incidentally, um, on Friday, or maybe late Thursday, that that was all cleaned up. The memorial at Chad's house is completely gone. And some people say that it was Chad's son and son-in-law that cleaned it up. Some people are saying that Chad's attorney prior paid someone to clean it up. We don't really know. I will tell you that it was falling off. It was ratty. It was polluting the ditch. And I'm sure that the local farmers and the water masters weren't very happy about it. Yeah. It's, but the city, uh, the locals are working on putting together a permanent memorial, like maybe a bench in the park or something like that. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. We'll have more info on that, I'm sure, soon. True. But anyway, that's kind of an aside, just in case you're wondering if you've heard it. Yes, the entire memorial was stripped out. Except for the blue ribbons on the on the Except posts. for the blue ribbons on the posts. Yeah, they're still there. Unfortunately, Colby Ryan arrived to town on Friday and went to that place and was absolutely stabbed in the heart to see that the memorial was gone. And it yeah. literally happened like right before he came, which is really yeah, sad. That's, that's Tylee's brother. Not, yeah. Well, JJ's yeah. brother also. Yeah. So anyway, but that's just an aside from everything else. But so that ditch that runs right in front of Chad's property. Well, apparently this farmer was well known for walking up and down the ditch banks that he'd walk miles every day up and down the ditch banks to double check the water, make sure it was flowing properly, make sure that it was clean and clear to go to his property because he needed it to be clean and clear for the kind of uh, farming that he was doing. It was the water was extremely important to him. So he was he did a lot of walking up and down the ditch banks. Mm -hmm. Um, this person, so the last day, uh, that we know of JJ is the 23rd of September. Mm -hmm. And we believe that that's the day that JJ died on the 29th of September. This gentleman died, uh, very suddenly, very surprisingly to his family. He was a little bit older, you know, uh, he was a little older than Tammy. Tammy was 49 and he was a little older than that, but still, was a super healthy guy that, you know, farmed and ranched and did all kinds of things. And it was a huge shock to his family and his community. And he died from, guess what? A pulmonary embolism. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So in doing some research on pulmonary embolisms, pulmonary embolisms cause pink foaming at the mouth. The pink literally is from blood. Gross. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, Tammy's daughter had reported to her friends that she had pink foam at her mouth. We know that that's what killed Alex. That's what his autopsy says. And also the person who witnessed him die said he had pink foam at his mouth. And we also know that it was some kind of heart lung event that killed Joe Ryan. So that's three, maybe four people that all died the same way. Yes. What the neighbors and the ward members are speculating They really wonder if it's possible that this gentleman witnessed something. Um, I was also told that he and his family were a part of Chad's group. Um, We're not in any way saying that he's done anything wrong. You know, there's no wrongdoing on his part or his family's in any way. But what we uh, have been being told is that the going rumor, and again, remember, please, this is speculation. 
We're sharing it because we have heard it from several sources. We're sharing it. We're not saying it happened. We're not accusing anybody. We're just sharing a local uh, story that's, that's rolling around. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the story is that he was walking the ditch bank the morning that they buried JJ or the day that they buried JJ. He saw something. Chad got nervous about it. And Chad or Lori or Alex or somebody killed him in the same way that the rest of these adults died. And it's very interesting. There's been no police action on this yet, though I anticipate that there may be. You know, we don't know. We don't know. But we're we're telling you what we know because, well, because we chose to. You know, and some of you might, uh, we might split hairs on this conversation and that's okay. We don't all have to be on the same page with it, but we felt like this was worth sharing it's important to get all of it out there. And, and, you know, we will always share with you if if something is a speculation, if something is a rumor, we're always going to tell you that, Um, you know, we don't have proof of this, but we do feel it's important still to get it out there because it's possible this situation needs to be investigated. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll let you know if anything else comes from that, but it is, it's an interesting rumor and it's pretty interesting to think that that's a, what killed yet another person in that community yeah, in such a, a sudden and shocking way. Dental timeline, I think. And yeah. there are a lot of things surrounding that situation that seem to connect up that, you know, mm-hmm. it is certainly something that should be looked at. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's what we've got. That is what we've got. So, you know, we, we like to share the information as we get it. You know that the Ballow Daybell case will continue as the saga moves on. We will be sharing with you soon what's going to happen in the district court arraignments of Chad and Lori. And we'll be back with any updates that we may get on this case. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be back with other stories as well. So thank you for joining us today. Don't forget that you can find us over on Facebook. We have uh, our fan page, True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. We also have a discussion group that's linked to that fan page. So we'd love for you to find us over there. Also, Mm -hmm. we are on Patreon and we really appreciate your help. You know, running a podcast like this is not free. And Mm -hmm. so it's very helpful to us to um, when you support us, you help keep us going, doing what we're doing. So if Mm -hmm. you go to Patreon, on and look and just search for true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters you'll find us there if you become a patron you will receive some free bonus content so yeah. some shows that don't air here on um, youtube or on our podcast platform but only air over at patreon so if you want to get some some free content and some extra content and you know, i guess it's not totally free but it's pretty much free um yeah. please uh you know join us over there and that helps us to keep doing what we're doing absolutely yep yeah, so very good. True crime paranormal, and we are the psychic sisters. So have a great day. Take care, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.